Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. This morning I'm really excited to speak because God has given me a message. Um, he's put something on my heart that's been really near and dear to my heart and it's about shame. It's the message of um, how we don't need to live in shame anymore. And it's something that I walk through personally and God's brought me through. And it's been exciting to see how, how much God can do in you if you're just willing to open up and let him into your heart. So with that said, the message of this title is Run the Race slash Overcoming Shame, both of those in one. Um, but... I just, I'm really expecting God to reveal to you how you don't have to live in shame anymore as a Christian. You have the choice to live in freedom. Your walk with Christ can be so much more enjoyable than the shame that you carry in your heart. And I feel like a lot of Christians, especially in the church, struggle with shame, but it's a secret thing. It's not brought up. It's not talked about. So you're going through your life and your walk with Jesus um, with fear, with anxiety, with depression, because shame just brings more than guilt. It brings a lot of, um, there's no peace in a person who has struggling with shame. There's no joy. There's no freedom. Um, but God wants to reveal to you how you can live a life full of freedom and not a life full of shame. So before we start, if you'll bow your heads with me, we're going to pray and open up in prayer. Um, Lord, I just come before you and I ask that you would open up our hearts and open up our, our, our ears to hear what you have to say to us, Father, um, that you may begin to break strongholds today, that people would begin to walk in a path of peace, Lord, starting today, that you would begin to remind your children how much you care for them and how much more they can experience as a child of God, Lord. And I pray that you would just begin to reveal things to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 So when it comes to shame... I was thinking, who can I talk about? And um, God led me to Philippians 3.13. If you could turn there now. Um, Philippians 3.13 was a verse I had read a while back. And it just, it stuck with me. It's always stuck with me. And it says, but one thing I do. This is Paul speaking. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And this whole, this whole scripture verse Paul is referring to our Christian life as a spiritual race. He's comparing our walk with God um, from beginning to end as a spiritual race that we are running. Okay, and so he's saying, brothers and sisters, although goal is the goal of this race I'm running is perfection, I have not taken a hold of it just yet. But one thing I do on my goal to to reach the end is forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. In other words. My one goal in life in my walk with Christ, although it's, it's trying to be more Christ-like each and every day until I reach eternity with him, my one goal is to forget what is my past and strain towards what is ahead. And he's talking about shame there because if you read into the history of who Paul was, you'll realize all that he has overcome and all that he has been through. So when he's telling his brothers and sisters, forget your past, he's not saying it from a point of view of somebody who is squeaky clean, has never done any wrong. He's saying it from a guy who has really messed up. And I wanted to give you just a little bit of background about Paul so you can see the type of sins he struggled with um, and the type of stuff he carried in his heart. So the first mention of him 
is in Acts chapter 7, where there was a stoning happening for a man named Stephen. And he was a man of God. Um, and he had been accused of, he had been accused about speaking against the temple, innocently accused, kind of. He wasn't very wrong at all. He was just doing God's work. And so these men were going to stone him, right? And so as they're stoning this man named Stephen, there's Saul, who is also known as Paul. He's standing right outside of this, watching all this happening. And the people who are stoning Stephen go as far as to lay their coats at Saul's feet, saying, okay, you watch our coats and watch our step while we stone this innocent man. This is what was happening. And Paul willingly just stood there and watched their coats, and he, he agreed with what was happening. He was agreeing with this um, murder. And in verse chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul wholeheartedly approved of their killing him. So he didn't just pass it off as something that was, you know, something simple. He approved and agreed with what they were doing, um, which shows you just where his mindset was at with Christians. Then in chapter 9 in Acts, we read about Saul's conversion, where he has an encounter with God that changes his life. It says in Saul chapter nine verse, or Acts chapter 9, verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them back to Jerusalem as prisoners. So Saul's goal was to get from Jerusalem to Damascus. That's a 150-mile journey, uh, if you don't know. And so his main goal was to go to Damascus and bring back as many Christians as he could to persecute and imprison them and, um, and chain them. So as he was going to Damascus, he has an encounter with God. You can, you can read it um, later on in Acts chapter 9. He has an encounter with God, and um, God reveals himself to Saul, and Saul gives his life to the Lord in that whole, whole chapter right there. But um, I just want you to know how how messed up Paul's life was before he met Christ, how he had a lot of um, stuff and a lot of shame that he probably struggled with after coming to Jesus because he was a murderer. He would murder Christians. That was his sole purpose. He would um, imprison them. It says he would give his approval of those who would kill Christians. And um, he wasn't living for God at all. So when we read our scripture verse, which is Philippians 3.13, it says, But one thing I do, forget what is behind. This is what Paul's saying. I forget what is behind. I, I have to move past what I've done in order to get ahead in, in my race with God. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down how we can overcome shame. But before, before, I, before I do that, I just want to say that we are called to run this race with God, right? Our goal is to be in eternity with God forever. But that's the end goal. But along the way, our race can be so much more enjoyable if we're not carrying things like shame. And I wanted to specifically talk about shame. There are many things that you don't need to carry in your walk with God. Fear, anxiety, depression. But God really put on my heart to focus on the aspect of shame. When we're walking with God, there is no room for shame. There doesn't have to be room for shame. You can enjoy your walk so much more is what I learned when you just give it to God. And I want to show you those steps 
on how we can give our shame to God because he's, he's transformed my heart for him and he's just transformed my view on shame. So how do we overcome shame as believers? We have to choose to be honest with God whenever we feel those feelings of shame. Let me explain. I was reading about Paul and um, let me turn to the verse really quick. It says in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, this was after Paul had become a believer in Christ. So he's a Christian now, and he's trying to fit in with the disciples. A murderer is trying to fit in with with these followers of God, and you can already see that something's just going to not fit very well there. It says, when Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. And that's where the verse ends. But I just want to elaborate on that. Here we have Paul, um, this, this murderer, trying to join this group of holy, holy disciples, right, who are doing God's work. And um, I can just imagine when they rejected him, because it said he tried to join the disciples, but I'm sure there was some, um, some friction going on. I can just imagine what his conversations with God must have been like. Like, Lord, I just feel shame. They aren't letting me in. I'm, I'm here. I love you, Father. You know my heart, but they're not letting me in because of my past. I just feel all this shame. And so in order to um, overcome shame, we have to um, talk about it with God. I know in my life that whenever I would feel shame or shame like with anything I've ever done, um, I would tend to draw away from God. I would just hide those feelings in my heart because I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to bring it up to Jesus. I didn't want to think about the things I've done wrong. And I was reading Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, and the same thing happens with the first person ever created. Adam, when he was in the Garden of Eden and he sinned, he says this about the Lord. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. He was afraid when he sinned, so he did what? He hid. That was his first thing that he did. And I feel like that's what a lot of us Christians can do or just humans. Um, when we sin, we turn away from God automatically instead of going to the one who can heal us from that. And so that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my walk with God is if you want healing, you have to go to the healer and be honest about how you feel because that's where healing and peace begins. When you begin to say those fears out loud, Lord, I'm ashamed of this. Lord, I feel this. Lord, I feel that. And that's where healing begins when you have an encounter with God and you're in his presence and you just pour out your heart to him. Um, and so most people, we tend to hide from God. We feel shame, so, so we distance ourselves, and we distance ourselves. And soon we're so far from God, we're out of reach now. And so we can't find our worth in Him anymore because we're so far from Him. We're not even really talking to Him anymore. So, okay, well now, we're, now how do I feel like I'm good enough? It's not coming from God. So I'm just going to do a bunch of good works, and I'm going to be the best person you ever saw. I mean, I'm going to be so good. You're going to be wishing you were like me. So you start doing all these good works and you start people pleasing and, and, and trying to get people to like you because that's the only way you can find worth now. That's the only way that these feelings of shame are going are gonna to disappear is if people start to like you and see that you're a good person. Or there's the other person who doesn't people please, but they look for that worth in relationships. So, okay, maybe if I get a guy to like me or if I go out with this girl or, you know, whatever your situation is, um, maybe then I'll feel worth because someone will actually start to love me. 
Um, and so you just go down this road of trying to find your worth in other things and not God. And it leads you so far away from him. When every time you feel shame, you should start to bring it to Jesus. You should draw closer, closer. Because notice, when we draw further, he doesn't move. He stays the same. We're the one that's pulling away. We're the one that's taking that extra step in distancing ourselves. So if you want to overcome shame, you have to be honest with God about your feelings of shame and draw into his presence. Take that extra step. Because you're, not only will your shame start to fade away, um, because it can't stand in the presence of God when you bring it to his attention. You can't help but feel freedom when you give it to God. Not only will that happen, but your relationship with Jesus is going to grow stronger. It's just going to happen because you're taking steps towards him instead of steps away from him. And the devil will often use fear and shame to keep us away from God. If we are not in our sin, if the devil can't tempt us with what we were once sinning in, then he, he's, he's trying to think, okay, how can I keep her away from God? It's not going to be from that sin. So I'll just make sure she feels so ashamed that she doesn't want to approach Jesus anymore, which is genius because it works. It, it's what we all, a lot of us struggle with. And so he's going to use shame every day until you finally realize that if you start to be honest with God um, and you start to draw closer to God, the shame that the devil brings won't have power over you because God will bring freedom um, in your life. So th that is the first point. And then our second point is how do I overcome shame? Well, we have to do what Paul says. And he says, forget what is behind. Now, maybe you're the person who's struggled with shame, um, but you've been honest with your feelings about shame with God. You know, you, you have open, honest communication, but somehow the shame is still there and it's not leaving and you want it to go. Well, let's take Paul's advice, a man who has struggled with a lot of shame probably, and he says, brothers and sisters, but one thing I do, one thing, he's, he's trying to help somebody out here today. He's saying, forget what is behind at all costs. Because if you want to effectively and um, effectively reach the end goal, reach reach to be eternal in eternity with Jesus, you can't let things like your past keep you down or keep you distracted. Because your your life on earth is very very short, and if you want to run this way so well, you need to keep your eyes focused on Jesus and focused on what's ahead instead of your past. Because that's just going to waste your time. Um, I realized as, although I'm only 18 when I say this, as I get older, like, you know, like I'm getting older, um, I feel you realize how precious your time is and how precious your energy is and that you can't spend it. There are some arguments in life that you just let go because I honestly don't have time to argue with you. I could be doing better things, essentially. Amen. So with, with every age I get older, I kind of just feel like, you know what? Think what you want to think. I have better things to do. Yes. And there are some battles in life that we don't even entertain because we just, there's laundry that needs to be done. There are things that need to be cooked. You know what I mean? So I think Paul knew this very well. He said, okay, I've spent so much of my life in sin and um, probably thinking about all these shameful things that he's done. He says, I only have a short amount of time to do this race with Jesus. And I only have a short amount of time to be the best possible 
person that I can be with God. So in order to run this race efficiently, I have to effectively use my energy and my time. And in order to effectively do that, it can't be spent thinking about, oh, um, I feel so guilty about what I just did, or oh, remember when I did that, or oh, remember when that happened? No, I have to fix my eyes on what is in front of me instead of what is behind me. Um, When Paul says right here, forget what is behind, he's not saying to actually forget, forget, because you can't really forget, forget the mistakes you've done in life, they'll always be there. He doesn't mean block it out, but he's saying, I choose not to dwell on it. I choose to take the higher road and not waste my time and entertain those thoughts. Because at the end of the day, what is dwelling on your past going to get you to? It's not going to take you nowhere, probably further away from God. Um, So he says, if I constantly dwell on my past, it's not going to take me anywhere. But if I focus on my future, I'll I'll become a better person. Um, And there are some people here that are so focused on their past. They're running their race. I've never seen a person run a race, except for maybe Usain Bolt, run a race, look him behind them the whole time. He can do that because he's really fast. But an ordinary person, I've never seen anyone run with their head turned the whole entire time. I've never seen that before. And some of us are so focused on our past. We're so focused and so ashamed of the things that we the person who we used to be, that we aren't focusing on um, opportunities that God has right in front of our eyes. He can have an opportunity right in front of your face, which you wouldn't even know because you're so focused in depression and in and, and, and a bunch of shame. And he can bring some of the greatest things into your life, but you could just miss it because you're looking and you're looking and you're looking. And God is saying, if you would fix your focus and stop worrying about things that you can't change and start worrying about what you can change, your life and your opportunities are endless. I could do so much in you if you would just change your focus from behind to the front. And there are some opportunities in life that God has right before your eyes. You just have to fix your focus and look for them. Amen? Amen. Um, and back to the, back to the whole, whole racing thing, a runner's goal is focused on his or her next step. They are never looking behind them the whole time because looking behind also slows you down. Another fact, my dad, who used to run track a lot, he would always tell me, when you're racing somebody, when you're running, don't look behind. Don't be concerned about what the person behind you is doing or or don't be concerned looking back there the whole entire time because that's just going to slow you down in your race. You have a short amount of time to get to the finish line and you want to use your energy efficiently. So keep your eyes focused on the what's ahead of you, what your next step looks like, and you'll get to the end of the line much smoother and much faster um, than if you were to just focus back there. Amen? Amen. Although we can learn from our past, we should not be bound to things that we have done. So we should not carry that shame in our hearts and be chained by our past mistakes. So we need to take that step and move forward knowing that we carry Christ's forgiveness with us. Um, sometime, uh, a main reason why Christians don't overcome shame is because they don't know just how forgiven they are. There's a God in heaven who, who, who left heaven, who left everything just so you could have the opportunity to accept forgiveness. Just so you could have the opportunity that doesn't mean you're going to take it, but he did it just just so I can give them the opportunity, regardless of whether they receive it or not. 
that is one of the greatest blessings and the greatest gifts in the whole world. So I encourage you to take advantage of the forgiveness that God offers. Um, because he offers it to you, and, and it's right there. Psalms 103.12 says, And he has taken our sins as far as the east is from the west. The cross allows us forgiveness. So don't be a Christian who doesn't take advantage of that and, and walk in forgiveness daily because it's there. God offers it. Um, and so my last point, um, if I can have the worship team come up, we're going to play one last song, is and how do I overcome shame? I need to shift my focus on what is ahead now. Um, it says in scripture, Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, I, one thing I do, forget what is behind. Okay, we've already chosen to forget what is in our past. Now point part number two. We have to strain towards what is ahead. And, and I was thinking, okay, what does it mean to strain to do something? We have to make a, an unusually great effort to focus on what's ahead. And I was reading that and I asked God, why does it require an unusually great effort to focus on what's ahead? Does that mean that sometimes forgetting our past isn't always easy? And um, I feel that the Lord revealed to me that sometimes choosing to focus on what's ahead and, and who you're becoming instead of who you were can be a, can be a battle that you, you're going to have to push through sometimes. You're going to have to choose to remind yourself who you are every day as a new person in Christ. And, and I believe God was saying... The devil is going to take a great effort to pull you into shame. So you have to take an unusually even greater effort to pull out of shame and to focus on what is ahead of you. Amen. Amen? Yes. And so that's why Paul is saying he strains towards what's ahead. Imagine being somebody who has murdered people and has murdered Christians and now he's trying to be one of a Christian. He has to take an unusually great effort each day to say, I'm not who I once was. I'm not a, what I've done. I'm a new creation in Christ and this is who I am. I'm going to take this effort every day and I'm, I'm going to be the best person that I can be. Um, look, Forgetting our past is not always an easy thing to do, but it is possible if we fix our focus on God and on the forgiven person we are in Christ. Amen? Um, focusing on what's ahead consists of a lot of things. It consists of knowing who you are as a new person in Christ, knowing that you're a forgiven person. Um, it also consists of celebrating what he's brought you through, but not celebrating what you may have done, your mistakes, but learning to, to overcome shame and focusing on what's ahead. A part of that is thanking God for what you just saved me from, because I realized I could still be in that, but you didn't let, you didn't leave me there, and you didn't abandon me when I called for forgiveness, Lord. You actually brought me out of that, and now I'm a even more so better person than I was before. Um, and and so now our job is, if we if we forget the past and we want to overcome shame, we have to focus on on our race, what's in, what's ahead of us right now. So we have to focus on becoming more Christ-like, which is what Paul was saying. He says, but I press on to um, take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken a hold of it, which is perfection, but that is my goal. That is what I strive to be every day. So now that I'm not living in sin or intentionally sinning, 
each day is to focus on becoming the best person that I can be. But focus on becoming more Christ-like, I should say. Every day I get up, how can I be more Christ-like? How can I be more Christ-like? When I talk to people, how can I be more Christ-like? And the things that I watch and the things that I hear, how can I be more Christ-like with every step that I take? Because I know that my race is so, so short and everything that I do is so, 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 so valuable. So how can I be more Christ-like until I reach eternity being with Christ? That should be your goal and that that should be what, what consumes our time and our energy. Um, Paul, after he converted to, to being a follower of Christ, he threw himself into a life of ministry. He threw himself into a life of obedience with God, which is what Pastor Rick was speaking on um, previous, prior. He was speaking on walking in a life of obedience to Jesus, which is what we should be doing. Now that we're not in sin, we should be focusing on, okay, Lord, how can I be obedient to you today? How can I be obedient to you tomorrow? How can I be better than I was yesterday? Um, In this race with, 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 in this race that we're, we're walking in, um, God had just been speaking to me that there are people, there are people in life who walk this race with a lot of shame and it just weighs them down. It's almost like carrying a bunch of luggage. If you've ever had to carry a lot of luggage, you know that you're getting to your destination, but you're just getting there a lot slower. God's saying to some people, you're going to reach heaven and you're going to reach being with me because you, you believe in me and you love me. But if you would just give me your baggage, your, your, your load and your walk with me would be much more enjoyable. Instead of that, that pain that you're feeling every day and every time you get up, if you would just give me your shame, it would, it would release a lot off of you. If you would just give me your hurts and be honest with me, you'd begin to experience freedom like you've never felt it before. You'd begin to experience joy and what it means to truly uh, experience the joy of the Lord. You would experience never felt before and I know this because once I started to give my shame to God he started to give um, joy and peace to me which is something I had been longing for and so some of us today we just need to to give our baggage to God and maybe your baggage doesn't look like shame maybe your baggage is fear maybe your baggage is anxiety maybe it is um, unfulfilled filled dreams and hopes and Every day you try to serve God, but it's just weighing on you and it's weighing on your heart. Be honest with God about those things and give them to him. Because once you surrender it, he brings peace and he brings that joy that you've been needing. And it's here today. He's speaking to somebody and I don't know who it is and who's this for. But he's saying, if you would just let go of your hurts that you're holding on to, I could give you so much more than you can even imagine your walk with me is just going to be so much more enjoyable. Amen. This is for somebody here today. God put this on my heart. You need to start letting go of what you've been carrying your whole life. And some of you have been carrying things your whole life. You don't even realize it anymore, how big it's gotten. Once you begin to just release it to the Lord, you'll be you'll feel a weight off your shoulders. Like, man, I woke up today and I experienced joy for the first time. Man. Remember yesterday when I gave all my stuff to Jesus? Today I just feel more peace. Even though my circumstances haven't changed, I just feel more peace. And I can't explain it. This is what happens when we give our shame or our our hurts and our heartaches to Jesus. There's healing that does happen. 
The Bible doesn't just say God can heal just to say it. He can actually do it. The Bible doesn't say God can bring freedom and forgiveness from our past just because. He can actually do it. It's an actual thing that happens in church. And if you want to experience that, it starts today. It starts at the altar. It starts in church. And I pray that you would just open your hearts right now. We're going to go into um, a song in a minute about amazing grace. And and maybe this whole message was for you. Maybe, maybe you're the person that God is speaking to today. I just encourage you, as we sing this song, it says, Amazing Grace, my chains are gone, I've been set free. Sing that with all you can and declare that over yourself. My sins are gone, Lord, I have been set free because of you, Jesus. I receive your peace, I receive your freedom, I receive your forgiveness, and I choose to just let go of everything, of, of trying to hold all these things together. It's breaking me, Lord, it's, it's crushing me. So I release it all to you, Father, and I ask that you would just bring your peace to me. Just remind me who I am when I can't even remind myself, Father. I just give you all of this that I've been carrying. I encourage you to do that today because you're going to experience something that you've never felt before. Amen? Um, So if you'll stand with me, Bianca's going to lead us into a song. But encounter God's presence. Sit, stand, come to the altar. Create a moment with God where you just let go of something today. 